Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Please remember, this podcast deals with adult themes. So if you don't have privacy, you might wish to put on some headphones. This week, we're talking about non-monogamy again, and we're going to cover friends with benefits and probably talk about some other forms of non-monogamy. Donna Davidge of Sewell House Yoga Retreat is joining me today. She has worked in the self-growth field for over 30 years, has a master's in nutrition, meditation, and yoga. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Lori. So let's talk about friends with benefits because it's one that doesn't come up very often. What's your definition of friends with benefits? Well, you know, it's interesting. The reason I think we're talking is because I wrote an article about it in 2012 on the internet, just kind of randomly because of a, a website that I'm on that suggested the topic and it got huge amounts of hits. And when I wrote it, I was actually thinking in terms of with that topic, anytime that someone has, you know, a sexual or intimate, intimate sexual relationship with someone that is not considered their significant other. So mm-hmm. you know, that could be casual sex with somebody you just met, or that could be a friend that you decide that you will, as the topic today we're starting with is friends with benefits. But it really is like, what do we what do we really think we're doing when we do that is kind of what I, I wrote about in that article. And do we think about it um, before we do that? So that's an interesting one. I suspect I suspect there are two types of, of of friends with benefits. I suspect there's one type that's episodic where people don't think about it before they do it. Correct. Um, they're with friends, they're out with somebody, they're having a good time, and they end up in bed with them. And they don't think about what the consequences of that might be because they've known the person for however long, so they don't actually think about it. Right. Or having a rough time, and again, you know, they, they kind of fall into bed with somebody who's providing them with some comfort and don't think about it. But I think there's a, a subgroup of, peop- of relationships that are really calculated. Yes. And, and, and I think that the reasoning for that is totally different. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And so that's a thing I think for women and depending on the age of the woman, I'm now a much older woman. And I wrote that article written on based on my experience as a much younger woman. And I think that sometimes it is calculated and, or it, we're doing it for a reason we're not even aware of. And so that could be calculated, could be, we're sleeping with a good friend of ours because also we really would like him to be our boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Or, um, right. 
for example, or we're rationalizing, oh, I can do this and thinking we're not going to have any kind of repercussions from it, whether it be emotional or physical, because it can be physical as well. So those kind of things are all, it's a lot of, it's an umbrella, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting for me too, because I think actually one of the other calculated ones is to have that relationship as part of your non-monogamous because I'm non-monogamous and, mm-hmm. and, and have been for, for some time. And as, as part of your non-monogamous um, umbrella and the kinds of relationships you have, that sometimes having a sexual relationship with a friend that's ongoing, but there's no expectation of it going anywhere else, right? There's yeah. no kind of none of that sort of escalator sort of ideology, not looking for that person to be my boyfriend or girlfriend, not looking to move in with that person, not looking for any kind of commitment other than the one that I already have with them as as a friendship. And there's an ongoing sexual relationship that happens that we decided on as part of that, either consciously or not consciously. Um, And like I'm thinking in, in one instance, for example, that was a relationship for me that went on for years and then the sex stopped. Um, and it stopped because things changed in our lives. It was not a terrible thing. It didn't upset either of us. Right. It just stopped and we maintained the friendship. So that was what I would call like quite a calculated as part of a group of non-monogamous choices. Yes, 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 yes. And also, if you're someone living that way, then I think what someone you have to be clear about is, are you in a relationship with someone, one person, and then you have that clear or are you, quote unquote, cheating on that person? You know? <laughs> so um, the perspective that I wrote from when I was writing that article was a perspective when I lived in Europe and we were both talking about living in Europe. And I had a European boyfriend who kind of knew that I wasn't monogamous at that time, but I lived with him and we were in a relationship. And so it was interesting for me because I was this American girl and yet I kind of think if he weren't European and maybe that's not true, but I think he had a different standard. It wasn't going to change his feelings for me. It wasn't going to change. Like our relationship wasn't going to end because of it. Did he love it? No, I don't think he loved it, but he also kind of knew that that's sort of how I was. And um, so that's a very interesting thing. I think people just have to really be clear and be honest because are you going to be friends with benefits and not be in a relationship with one particular person? Or if you are in a relationship with one particular person, are you hiding something from them or do they know who you really are? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know, it's ethical non-monogamy is always the way to go. Right. That's well put. Yeah. I don't think that, I think, I think that's when you're, when you're cheating, it's, it's not consensual. That's right. And um, it causes all sorts of messes. And I know that, you know, I know that it's not always a relationship ender. Um, it is certainly a very difficult thing for people to get past. And, um, as a sex and relationship coach, I spend time dealing with people where there's been affairs and affairs are really hard to move past. Um, and so for me, it has to be upfront and honest. I also know that there are in between things. I know that, that people consent not to know. And that that's a choice that people make as well, where they say, well, you know, um, I know that you're going to sleep with other people because I know you're not monogamous. Um, right. I don't want to know the details of that. 
And so I'm consenting not to know. And there's a discussion as to how ethical that is. I mean, I think if everybody's consenting, then it's ethical. Right. There are like various times of, types of agreements is what you're saying. Like what, what mm. is, what, I think the main thing is what's your level of transparency? So that's a transparency that's agreed upon to a certain level. And that's all the transparency they want because they, yes. right? I mean, they're like yeah. kind of that, like what I don't know won't hurt me. And yet I know you're like this. And so be who you are. And I'm accepting who you are. And it's interesting. Those are interesting for me because those are the, those are the ones that can be so difficult. Yes. Because somebody will make that agreement saying quite clearly, I don't want to know, you know, it's a don't ask, don't tell policy. I don't want to know. Then what happens if you find out? Right. Right. Accidentally. And then everything goes, it, often it's, it's, well, you've broken our agreement because I found out, you know, it, it's, if it's not the person's fault that that happened. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it becomes a very gray area then. Right. Yeah. It becomes a very gray area. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all sorts of upset happens. And um, for me, it's, I always wonder, you know, how much of that were you just pretending wasn't there? That to me is the la la la. I'm not listening method of dealing with, with right. you know, non-monogamy, you know, it's right. like, well, I'll just stick my fingers in the ears, my ears and close my eyes and pretend that you're actually not having these relationships with other people that you've clearly told me you're having. Right, right, right. Sometimes that's just what someone wants and wishes. Yes. Yeah, that brings to mind to me, I, recently I was talking to a young woman who has been seeing someone and he seems like, he's like really into her. And I was like really surprised when A, he told me, she told me he wants to be married and have children, but he also wants to be kind of polygamous. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting because for her, that doesn't really work. So that was like very interesting. So how do you deal with those kinds of, that goes way beyond friends with benefits because the whole taking on a family and children is a whole nother energy and to say, but then I'm going to be oh, I'm having sex with other women, you know, just so you know, which is great to let her know up front. Uh, she's not sure that she wants to, she's not ready to be married and have children anyway, but I didn't know that side of it. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. That's a lot to take in. Well, lots of people are polyamorous and, and, and do raise families and sometimes have other partners as part of the families. Yes. So that other partners become, you know, known to the children either because they live polygamously, which is, is, one man usually and many wives. Yes. Although sometimes, um, yeah, and polyandry, polyandry is one woman and many husbands. Yes. Um, so either because they live um, together and at, 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 or, or within close proximity to each other or um, as aunts and uncles and good friends because they don't live together and <laughs> at that point in time they're not um, – they're giving an age-appropriate explanation to the child. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, And – I mean, if you are monogamous, you can agree to do that and live with a polyamorous person, but it's very difficult to maintain. Right. <laughs> it takes a lot of work from both, for both partners' parts in order to make something like that work. It, yes. it, it can work, and I've written about it, um, and I certainly know of successful relationships where one person's polyamorous and the other person is clearly monogamous, and they have a relationship that works, but they put in a lot of time. Yes. And a lot yes. of energy. Yeah. Making sure that that works. Isn't that way that like the Mormons are often like that, aren't they? 
Well, um, there's a sect of Mormons that are um, polygamous. Yes. But I mean, um, aren't some of them where the husband has many wives, but the wife only has a relationship with that man? All the yeah, wives. That, and yes. that's polygamous. Yeah. Polyamorous, polyamorous is many loves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no, polyandry is the opposite. Polyamorous is many loves, but polygamous is one man, many wives. Yes. And all of these wives have him as the husband, and that's it. Yeah. Right. There are um, uh, there are two Mormon sects, breakaway Mormon sects that still um, practice polygamy, and there are a couple of other countries in the world where polygamy is practiced. um, it's acceptable in the Muslim faith, so some strict Muslim um, relationships are polygamous. Is it? Do you know if it's legal in Utah? Because I thought for a while there it was legal in Utah. It's not legal. No. 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 Um, it's not legal, um, and it's not even looked away from. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I, it's an interesting topic because, um, for example, in the UK for immigration law, um, if Someone comes from a country in which polygamy is legal. Yes. And they have more than one spouse. They're allowed to keep their extra marriages. Huh. They can't just because they're, if they're living in the United Kingdom, but they say culture in my culture, I can have more than one. Right. They can't have one legal, more than one legally. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry. They can't have more than one legally if they're living in the UK to start. But right. if they've emigrated from somewhere, legally emigrated from somewhere where they are allowed more than one wife, they're allowed to, or more than one husband for that matter, they're allowed to keep the extra spouse legally, which That's I find fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating how these different rules happen, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so you were saying you wrote this article um, a number of years ago and kind of yeah. based on your experience as a younger woman. Do you think things have changed? For me as a person? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was very um, different then than I am now. I've gone through some relationship things like I got married, I got divorced, blah, blah. I'm very different now. Um, but I was that way for a long time where I was definitely experimenting and you know, part of it was something I just wanted to do. And part of it was, I think, some unresolved emotional stuff. I think it was a combination. And so I think when I was writing that article, what I was saying to addressing it to women in particular, but I suppose it could be men, but women in particular, was if you're going to go into something like that, really know yourself. I mean, are you going in there because you're looking for approval by having sex with guys or are you going into it because you have fun having sex with, you know, your friends or guys that you've met somewhere and don't know that well? Um, I'm not talking about just like picking a guy up at the bar, but a little bit more knowing them a little better than that. So I, under the category of kind of friends with benefits. Um, well, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's interesting to me. I mean, certainly I, I, I think that if you're going to engage in non-monogamy, more than just while you're dating, like before you're in a relationship, whether it's same sex or opposite sex, doesn't really matter. If you're going to engage in non-monogamy as part of your relationship style, I think it's incredibly important that you know yourself really well. Yes, definitely. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think I was working on getting to know myself well, so that some of those behaviors at that time for me were perhaps not that healthy. But by the other token, I kind of 
don't regret certain things because I feel that they were experiences. Some of them were fun. I was aware of what I was doing, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, but I'm not sure because perhaps I was young, perhaps I was immature that I was really thinking it through. Um, and so, yeah. And, and that's that, I guess that was kind of the gist of the article is think it through enough that you know how you're going to feel afterwards, which is probably something you deal with people when you counsel them. I'm sure there are some girls that, uh, don't feel good after that. And other women that have a strong sense of themselves and are like, I'm pretty clear that I'm okay doing this. And this is, this is who I am. This is gratifying. And now that I'm an older woman, I see that some of my friends choose that. Like they'd like to be in a relationship, but some of the men they're with at an older age are not really looking for a relationship anymore. So they might choose to do the friends with benefit thing, knowing very well, this man does not want to be in a monogamous relationship the woman wants to have some sex. The man is very happy to have sex with her. They have good sex, but it's not going to be uh, a companion. It's not going to be a husband. It's not, they're not going to live together. They're not even necessarily going to go out on dates, you know? I find that really interesting because I know um, certainly, and, and I'm thinking age group from sort of 50 on up. Yeah. I'm 54. Um, and I'm thinking age group sort of 50 on up. And I know that certainly there are a number of things I've seen where actually we, what you're describing is true, where there's the knowledge that maybe um, one of the people would love a relationship, but that the people that they're meeting don't want to settle down with anyone. I know a lot of women who don't want to settle down with men as well. Um, I've sort of come to that. I'm 63 and I've been in lots of different boyfriends and like we've talked about, which is in the article, you know, casual things. And I've tried all sorts of marriages, had two marriages. So yeah, I, I'm very much of that. When you asked me, am I the same now? No, I'm not. I'm kind of very different. Uh, And so I think it goes through different phases. You know, I'm not looking for necessarily (laughs) a relationship, but I'm also not looking um, to go out and be polygamous which I was when I was younger, you know. But, it, but it's interesting to me because I, I know quite a few women and quite a few men in their 60s who um, are accomplished, have their own spaces, their own homes, um, their children are grown if they had them or they didn't have any children and are very happy with, have a good friend circle and would like to have regular sex. Yes. With somebody that they can go to the theater with and have yes. dinner with. And maybe go on holiday with, but not who's going to push them to live together. Yes. And yes. so there's a whole generation of folks who are middle to later life who are engaging in friends with benefits from the point of view of not wishing to take on the responsibilities. Yes, there's a lot more of relationship right. anymore. That's right. Um, there much that that usually comes with that type of, of sexual relationship. It's exactly. like I don't, yeah. I don't want to get married. You know, I am married, so but you know, but just the people will say I don't want to get married again. I certainly don't want anybody moving into my space. I don't right. want to have to share. I don't want to have to answer to anyone. Right, 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 and right. In, in poly in the in the in the non monogamy world, um, there's a a label single polyamory, which is when somebody is single. Mm-hmm. and has multiple partners, but their primary relationship stance is that they wish to remain living on their own. Yes, yes, yes. And so there seems to be this kind of movement in a section of older people 
towards that sort of lifestyle. So, you know, we keep a lot of our stuff separate, but we decide we're going to blend this much. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it depends also what people look for at different phases of their life, because I've certainly changed and I don't know, I can't speak for other people, but definitely I think when I was younger, um, that searching, that having fun, that playing around was also ultimately kind of thinking like, maybe I'd find one person. It wasn't my ultimate goal to settle down. I don't think I'm particularly a marrying type, even though I've been married twice. Um, Both of those guys kind of wanted to marry me. So I think it's interesting, like finding out your independence and what that looks like. And, Mm -hmm. And you're right that I think that that independence uh, sometimes, particularly when people get to an older age and their life is now very full of the things they've built up, whether, yes. whether it's their circle of friends, um, some of them, like you said, have their own children and grandchildren now, and that's a big part of their life. And so where does a relationship fit in? And like you said, maybe they have more than one companion and that works. Um, but I think it's definitely different than when people are younger. And so it kind of fascinates me too. And as I said, because I'm older and some of my friends are single and some of my friends have been married for a long time, I see how they handle those things differently and what they're looking for. And so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I find like, I find interesting that there's this idea of sort of, I don't want to have to compromise. So I've built all this up in my life and everything, things have their places you know, and I built a lifestyle that I'm happy with, I still want a sexual relationship and I still want some romantic companionship, but I don't want to have to do what you have to do if you're going to live with somebody and mesh, or even if you're not living with them, but mesh your entire life together. Oh yeah, definitely. You need to make all sorts of compromises. You can't do it without making all sorts of compromises. And there's this real sort of, well, why should I do that? I don't want to do that. Why can't I enjoy this? part of my life without having to compromise what I've built. And I think you saying that is like, it's a really important statement because it's true. It's by that point, you get to a certain point in life where you've built things around and it's, it, you've taken a hand in, in shaping. Oh yes. Yes. And then there becomes this kind of huge contrast between these two lives. Whereas when you're younger, you're kind of just starting out and you kind of meld all that. And it's, it's a different thing now. Um, my sister, though it's not friends with benefits per se, but she's 12 years older than me. And she was seeing a guy rather casually for years. And all of a sudden they bought a house and they moved in together. But I still think that they um, kind of have very separate lives. And yet they go on vacations together and they're very much a couple now. So um, they were kind of friends with benefits, but then they sort of became a couple. They only saw each other on the weekends, you know, and they had a sexual relationship and stuff, but they weren't your typical relationship. And now they've been together for years and I'm pretty sure they'll be together until death do they part, but they'll never get married. And they really just definitely started out much more casually for years. I was shocked when they bought a house together and moved in with each other. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to know what it was that changed. Yeah, I know. I, I really don't know. I never asked her. Very interesting really interesting i don't know because during the week their their lives are still very separate he probably will never retire he's very devoted to what he does and she's already retired so yeah during they're still very separate it might be it might be that 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 it it didn't really matter they didn't feel like they'd be giving up too much by moving in together yeah because they've kept their independence very well yeah 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 so yeah so then when does a relationship become 
a friend with a benefit versus like, this is really my partner. This is my loved one. This is my, I think if you're living in the house with them, then you're probably partners. They are. Yeah, (laughs) they are definitely. But you know, it's funny to me because if you, you know, when you talk about, you you talk about it at, at an older age, we talk about what we give up in order to be with somebody. Right. But when people are talking at younger ages, they talk about, uh, only focus on what they gain. They don't tend to focus on what they give up right. by, by combining lives. Yes, yes, It's yes. about gaining and building together. Whereas as people age, it seems to be about, you know, which parts of my life are you going to force me to? That's right on. That <laughs> is exactly. Up. And I speak, I speak from experience of what you're just saying. Exactly. Yes. And it's because time is limited. And that's the thing about non-monogamy that um, I think – is the most important thing for people to understand, which is there's no shortage of love. There never ever is. Most of the time when jealousy becomes an issue, it's around time. Yes. Time is the limited commodity. Yes. Yes. Right. You know, we have only so many hours in a day. um, And so it's where you choose to spend those that becomes the discussion and the issue Mm -hmm. and actually monogamous relationships have just as many problems around time. Yes. Oh yes. They don't necessarily frame them that way. They don't necessarily see them that way. Right. Joe going down to the pub after work, instead of spending a couple of hours chatting with his wife, Mary becomes an issue because there's only, you know, three hours at the end of the day before they go to sleep and he's choosing not to spend them with her. Right. Right. It's the same issue. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, would you like to tell folks a bit about what you do? Oh, well, what I do, which probably doesn't seem like it has much to do with this topic, but on a certain level, I think it does, which is interesting. I have been teaching yoga and meditation for over 30 years. And the first yoga that I got into was Kundalini yoga, which is mm-hmm. worldwide, but it's also very different than other forms of yoga because it's a very inner focused and very meditative. And I actually got into that form of yoga because I had gone through this kind of wild and crazy phase while I was over in Europe, having gone from that kind of my standard, like get married, get a career. I had a master's degree in nutrition and blah, blah, blah. And then I went over to Europe and had this kind of wild and crazy time, which I sort of based that article on really. And then I came back to the United States and started to delve into yoga and also did some modeling and acting. And then basically I've been doing the yoga and meditation for many years. So 20 years ago, I started a retreat in Northern Maine. And interestingly enough, a lot of the people that come to my retreat, which is a very small retreat, are women who are going through relationship issues, work issues too, health issues too, but a lot of times relationship issues. And for example, I had a woman last year, I'd never met her before. Usually I haven't met these people before. And she came to my retreat and it's just an interesting time these days with um, social media and the internet and relationships and people doing online dating and all that kind of thing. Because on the note of what we're talking about today, on a certain level, she had found out that her husband was having an online affair on Facebook with someone he had dated in like high school. And they're now in their fifties and she and her husband were lawyers. And this woman was a judge and the woman was married. And so they had not physically seen each other, but he had, she discovered this and then he decided to tell her he was leaving her for this other woman. So that's not exactly the topic we're on today, friends with benefits, but it is the topic of 
when does a relationship um, stop working or how can you really know your partner? And so she thought she and her partner were fine. They'd given up their law practice to go up on a farm in like Virginia or something. And were living with their animals, you know, for seven years living in nature. And she thought this was her future. So that's just an example of what I do is people come to my retreat and um, it's very small. So it's usually like four to six people. So it's very intimate. And I think what happens is, as we probably have all experienced, when you're on a train or you're on an airplane and you meet someone you're never going to see again, you might tell them a lot of intimate details about yourself. And that is what kind of happens at Sewell House. And so having done this for 20 years, it takes my teaching yoga and meditation up a notch. And that's certainly... That not just people being, you're, you're the intimacy coach, that is people being more intimate. I mean, emotionally, you know, yeah. about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly that's, you know, that's one of the advantages to going on, um, on any kind of a retreat is that it's something that, you know, you're outside of your, your daily life. Um, you're not going to have to go back to work in an hour. Um, you know, it's like when I, I do intensive work with people and, um, we do, I do it in retreat form sometimes and not in retreat form at other times. It's just intensive therapy. And it's, it's, the focus is on what we're doing and it's a week long focus on what we're doing. And that means that all the other extraneous stuff goes away and, and people find it easier to be more open because they're away from their normal setting. Exactly. And when someone's at a retreat, the normal things that you might use to escape, like you said, going down to the pub or going to visit your buddies or whatever, can't, doesn't happen. Um, yeah. we, had, we had a couple that came last summer and she said that before they came, they were in a therapy session and he was like yelling and screaming, why aren't you going to this with your, a friend of yours? I don't want to go to a yoga retreat. And he ended up coming and having an amazing time and I think they actually became closer as a result of that because she loved yoga and he just had a really great time that might not have worked out that way, but it did. We had some men on staff and I think he realized like, oh, he wasn't going to some girly girl place that men also uh, bond and open up and talk about their emotions and all those kind of things because he was a guy who worked in like construction or something. So I'm sure the guys he worked with were not the kind of guys he met at the retreat. And these were like really nice, normal guys. It's like, it's okay to talk about your feelings and things like that. So on that note, what I do is, is intimate, but not so much about sexual intimacy unless someone wants to talk about that. But it really is kind of an intimate setting for people to be open. And what I use is the word healing. And I'm proud right. of you do on a certain level too, because we all are in a process of hoping to feel better about ourselves and better about life. And again, back to that topic, I think when I, when I wrote that article, again, we talked about knowing ourselves. Like, are you going to go into this friends with benefits and are you going to feel good about yourself? Because I did sometimes. Or are you going to go into it and go, that just felt icky, you know, and that's not good. So just kind of opening up to intimacy and figuring out um, the things you need to figure out by opening up into that disclosure that intimacy brings us into, right? And so, so if, yeah. if people want to find you, where if do people, they go? <laughs> if people want to find me, well, I teach in New York City half the year, polar opposite, but what my real mission is, is my retreat in Maine. 
and it's called Sewell House, which people will probably never remember. Um, but my great grandfather's last name was Sewell, which is S-E-W-A-L-L -L, and happens to be a British name. And he was the nature guide for Theodore Roosevelt. And Theodore Roosevelt lived in this house uh, three times with him and was healed of asthma there. And so I bought the house to keep this legacy alive. And it's a legacy of friendship. It's a legacy of healing. And our website is the name of the house, which is Sewell House. And that's S-E-W-A-L-L house.com. And people could find out everything there, including the best thing is the TripAdvisor reviews because people really say what their experience with us is. And um, we really love doing it and hope that we can help people when they come. We have had people come. I had uh, from Europe, I had a British guy come two summers ago and he was married with children, but just wanted to see the States and travel around and do some yoga when he came to Maine. So uh, yoga is part of it, but it's really not the only part of it. We, we serve really healthy food. There's beautiful nature nearby us. And uh, we just kind of, like you said, want people to step away and, and heal. Well, the um, details, the link is on the podcast page for anybody who wants to go and find out more. Thank you. Um, and I thank you for joining me today. And today we spoke about friends with benefits, non-monogamy. We also ended up talking about what things might be like and what relationships might look like later in life. If you were triggered by this or if this resonates with you, please email me at drbisby at the-intimacy-coach.com. That's D-R-B-I-S-B-E-Y at the-intimacy-coach.com. Thanks for joining me for Sex Spoken here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I love your suggestions for the show. Please send me questions you want answered. Again, at drbisbee at the-intimacy-coach.com. Do follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out my YouTube channel. For a free 30-minute discovery session with me, head over to https colon forward slash forward slash the-intimacy-coach.com and head over to the contact page and click where it says click here. That will take you directly to the calendar. Please leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher if you enjoyed the show and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.